Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is Football Social Daily. Keeping you up to date with the latest from the English top flight. Liverpool got their swagger back, Mourinho lost his main attack, but Klopp's side rediscovered their goal-scoring touch against Tottenham last night with a 3-1 win, but Spurs didn't just lose the game, they also lost Harry Kane. How will Mourinho cope without his main man, and how desperate are the Reds for new defenders? We'll pick the bones out of last night's game, as well as scan across some of the transfers that have taken place over the last few days, including the future of a young Chelsea star and a brand new West Brom signing that is just typical Big Sam. Welcome to your daily Premier League podcast. This is Football Social Daily. I'm Niall McCorn. If Liverpool are playing on a Thursday night, we have to get our resident scouser, Steve McNaughton, on the next day. All right, Steve. Morning, Niall. All right, mate. Very, very well. And also, Marley Anderson's on Football Social Daily today. How are you doing, Marley? <laughs> and also him, yeah. <laughs> Newcastle haven't played, but we've got him on anyway. But I yeah, didn't want to mention you. Newcastle, Marley, just in case. Well, you might as well. South. It's what everyone, everyone's waiting for it. Oh, what's he going to moan about today? So, <laughs> I'm sure I'll find somewhere to crowbar somewhere about Steve Bruce in. So let's let's see what. Well, happens. you've got a game at the weekend, Marley. Yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah, we'll lose that as well. <laughs> uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully you're still angry by Monday. In which case we might 100%. hear some more from you then. Um, let's talk about the game last night, of course. Premier League action right throughout the week, but only one game on Thursday evening. And it took place at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium as Spurs faced Liverpool. Final score, Tottenham 1, Liverpool 3. I suppose, Steve, my first question is, did we see Liverpool get their mojo back? Did they get their zip back? Something that's been missing for a while now. It certainly appears so. I thought there was a, there was a good energy about Liverpool last night and... It's funny because I, I knew yesterday we were going to get a result, you know, up there last night. I think I was talking to some of the lads on WhatsApp and stuff like that, and I said we'll do all right tonight. I said, and um, that was obviously before we seen the injuries. But um, I just think I just fancy us against that that Tottenham team. I think you know Jose has his formations that he uses. I think he was a bit more adventurous last night, and I think you know we we picked them off which was which was quite nice to see and to see Jose going absolutely berserk on the uh, touchline <laughs> at some shoddy defending was was amazing but yeah it feels good it, the runners stopped you know we scored three well four goals because I thought the other one should have stood I thought it was crazy not to uh, it's crazy to disallow it but I think Liverpool you know got fired in last night and I hope they can take that into the West Ham game I think over the last few weeks, Steve, there's been too many lacklustre performances. And, you know, we talk about Liverpool as a unit and how well they play as a team, but it doesn't matter what team sport or team environment you're in. If you've got two or three top quality players not performing at 100%, it is going to have an impact on the team. And then you throw into the mix injuries and all the rest of it, then I won't call that a recipe for disaster, but certainly cause for concern. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, we, the front three going quiet at the same time is... It's, it's almost one of them unbelievable situations, isn't it? Because you think, yeah, if one of them's off, the other two will deliver. But yeah. the three at the same time was, is, um, was really challenging. And I think 
you know, we've had rotten luck with injuries this season. It's been horrendous, and um, we're still in there, and and that's the, mm. the miraculous thing about it. And I know that um, you know at the minute we're four points behind City, and um, if we can stay around there towards the kind of last ten games of the season, um, we might be in with a shout. But I just think that. Um, we need to get some of these lads back fit and, mm. you know, obviously wrap some of these lads in cotton wool. I mean, Joel Matip, Jesus. Ankle um, ligaments this time. He's been ruled out. Ankle ligaments. Way, yeah. And, I, you know, he's playing one game. He's out for two weeks, one game. I mean, this could be... He's Ledley yeah. King, just not as good. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, the thing is, there's, there's actually a really good defender in there, uh, but he's just... He made a biscuit and it's just... He's not the only one, you know, who's had these these injuries this season, obviously. But it just seems with Big Joel that we've got to manage his training, then we've got to pick what game he comes back into, and obviously to do his ankle ligaments last night is, I'd say it's unlucky, but it's not because it's something that's plagued him throughout his career, mm-hmm. and um, you know it's just one of them situations really. But it's put us right in right in the you now, obviously. Much like Harry Kane, who actually injured both of his ankles last night, Crazy. which we'll talk about uh, in a little moment. But you mentioned just a second ago, Steve, Jose Mourinho. He's actually lost his last four league games versus Liverpool. And yeah. he's lost back-to-back home league games against the same opponent. So he's lost against Liverpool at home twice in consecutive seasons for just the second time in his career. So you talk about a club having a number over another. Think back to the Champions League final. Certainly it feels that Liverpool have got a bit of a... A curse over Spurs, let's just say. How far are Spurs off, Marley, from competing? Mourinho said earlier this season that they're a pony in a horse race. Is Are his predictions beginning to come true now? Not that he would have wanted them to, of course. He wanted, would have wanted that to be a little bit of reverse psychology. But certainly, you know, the wisdom of the man seems to have shone through here. Well, to borrow a, a Cockney rhyme in slang thing, they did look a bit pony last night, I think. Um, you know they started well and they had that goal disallowed and it was one of them where you just think I hope that isn't as good as it gets for for Spurs and as soon as the game settled down it was almost an exact repeat of what happened at Anfield with Liverpool pressing and probing and Spurs sort of coiled and waiting for a counter-attack but you know know, I've, I've seen a lot of times where you know teams play that that system and it's it always relies on luck to some extent. It relies on good defending and a bit of luck at the right time. Um, I mean, Newcastle used to play under Rafa Benitez quite a lot with with a, he tried to make the defense solid and tried to take the chances on the counter attack. Um, but it's it didn't work every week because you know sometimes the ball just didn't land to one of your players from a from a tackle or from uh, a clearance or something like that. And I think sometimes when you you adopt that system at Spurs. <coughs> You you know you have to rely on it getting to Son um, and there being two fullbacks right high up the pitch and it does happen a lot against Liverpool so there is chances but you know you've got to be perfect when you when you counter attack and they did look dangerous a couple of times on the break but still you would always have backed Liverpool to to score more goals the way they play than than Spurs the way they play so um, it's probably it's not a surprise to see Liverpool win the game mm. I think. Having said that, I mean the the two goals, two of Liverpool's goals came from mistakes. I think you know with with yeah. bad defending, with Dyer and Lloris messing up the first one, and Roden should have cleared the the goal that uh, Mane scored. But still, mm. I mean, you you when you attack that much, you force mistakes, um, and when you counter attack, you have to be incisive. You have to be perfect when you you know you've got the ball for ten fifteen seconds rather than two or three minutes like Liverpool do when they're camped on the edge of your box and you're trying to keep them out. So. It's a, it's just a weird way to build. Yeah, it's a hard way to to win a title like that because usually title winning sides attack like Liverpool attack. Yeah, I mean, Hoybier scored a really good goal for Tottenham, and it was marginal the uh, Son Hyung Min offside in the first few minutes. Um, but you know they've got some good players and they've got some players who are playing well. I think Tangai and Dombele looks like a totally different player to the one we saw last season, who just completely went into his shell. And now he is the confident midfielder on the ball that that you know Tottenham fans would have been hoping for. So they do have some quality there, but I think there are still question marks over Tottenham Hotspur and, and whether they can compete. And I think this season, if they were ever going to compete for a Premier League title, it would have had to have been this season, just with the way everything's gone so crazy in terms of results and so many different teams being in a title charge. And and talking of the title race, obviously the remit, Steve, for your Liverpool side this season would have been to defend the Premier League, something which is a tough thing to yeah. do. Not many teams have done it 
um, over the last 20, 30 years of, of the Premier League. So the fact that Liverpool are still in with a sniff um, should give you a, a little bit of hope to hang on to because it was looking pretty grim the last few weeks uh, in terms of retaining the crown. Uh, are they still out of the title race now or is it a bit silly to write them off considering what we've seen them do in the past? I think I think we're a, we're a lot more optimistic. Let's let's say that after after last night, that's a big result last night. You know, to go to Tottenham away and and almost put them to the sword a bit last night is 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 really you know, um, it's a real boost for everyone concerned with Liverpool. But I think my my biggest thing with it is that we've just got to stay in the hunt. You know, we've if, if we can get kind of into ten nine games left, and we're still. You know, neck and neck with City or just behind City, um, I'd fancy us, you know, to kind of try and claw it back. It's obviously going to come down to us beating them when we play them in the next couple of weeks, um, because we can we can get three points on them then at Anfield if 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 we beat them. But I just think that unless Liverpool get some reinforcements in before Monday, I I, I think it's really difficult because we're going to end up with Genie, Wayne, Alderman, three kids from. Anfield primary stacked on top of each other in defence, you know what I mean? It's just, unless we bring some reinforcements in before Monday night, we're going to really struggle because obviously Fabinho's picked up a minor injury. Hopefully he's all right for, for the West Ham game. But, you know, Jordan Henderson, as good as he is, isn't a centre-back. And having Jordan in, having to put Jordan at centre-back has a massive impact on our team. Um, it affects the midfield. It obviously affects the defence because Alisson and Andy Robertson aren't used to him being there. And I just think that everything's going to depend on FSG putting her hand in the pocket before Monday. That is a question that I wanted to ask you, Steve, because Jurgen Klopp was... He, he kind of hinted after the game that he did want another centre-back in the transfer window. But Liverpool have been reluctant to spend that money and just bring someone in, even if it's on a short-term loan. He also said, Jurgen Klopp, that the signings that do come in, if there are any, uh, and there's only two days left of the window, they have to be the right players, particularly after, as we've already mentioned, Matip's ankle injury and Fabinho, who's also going to be out for a little bit now. Is he right or wrong with that? Does he just need to, you know, come out and into the press, put a bit of pressure on the owners and say, we're really struggling here. We need some centre-backs. We need some centre-halves. I know, obviously, he's got a lot of uh, faith in the young players, uh, Williams and the like, uh, coming through from the academy and the under-23s, but can Liverpool afford not to bring someone in? I just want, wanted to know your general thoughts on the on the transfer policy at Liverpool. It's such a conflicting one, this, because I kind of admire the way FSG go about it and, and the club go about it, and Michael Edwards has obviously been very successful in the transfer market, certainly where incomings are concerned, not so 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 successful without goings because we've still got a lot of dead wood. But I just think that we're at this point now where FSG are the type of owners who we've got to be able to wash our own face. What they won't do is go into debt for to sign players like other clubs do because you look at other clubs like say Villa just seems to have an endless pot of money don't they um, you know I don't know what the, the debt levels are like at Aston Villa but they've signed for, spent 14 million quid in the midfield this week um, we won't do that um, we will have targets I think I think we're after certainly David Alaba or or um, Upamecano from, from Leipzig and I think they've, I think they're fixated on one of them too but I think that they're thinking, well, we'll get one of them two in summer, so why should we do it now? But I think the situation that's presented itself on the pitch has turned into a crisis because, um, like like you say, you know, Reese Williams, there's probably a player in there, but he, he had a bad time at Old Trafford at the weekend. And he was at Kidderminster on loan last season, then suddenly he's playing in the Champions League and playing at Old Trafford against Man United. It's not, it's not fur on the lad. He's yeah. just not ready for it. And I think a good championship loan will help him out. But I just think that when in times of crisis, the strategy has to flex a bit and you've got to, you've got to deviate from, from the plan a little bit to, to be successful. So I just think that... I'm not saying go out and spend 30 million quid in a centre-half that is a plan B or plan C. 
I think that they need to go in and get someone in on loan for you know for till the rest of the season and see how it transpires with them and make a decision on them at the end of the season. Me personally, I think either Melito from Real Madrid, who is available on loan, who was really good at Porto, um, he's 23 years of age, he's available mm. for a two and a half million loan fee with an option to buy for I think 40 million in summer. Um, I, I'm quite attracted to that because when we played Porto in the Champions League, I thought, Jesus, this guy, this kid's good at the back that they've got. So I think that he would be worth a punt, and I think spending two and a half million quid loan in the guy until the end of the season, then obviously doing some kind of deal for him if it pans out. Because if it does pan out, there's no issue paying for it. Um, but I just think that mm. they're going to have to stick or twist with it. I think that the, the fans want them to twist big time, and the fans, you know, you see it on Twitter, they're, they're imploring the owners to do something which is a bit cringeworthy if we're going to be honest about it. Um, but it, it, it's vital that we do shore up that defence because we can't rely on Joe Matty. Fabinho's been injured three times for being overplayed this season. He's done his hamstring and, and, and other muscle injuries. And Jordan Henderson's been in and out as well with muscle injuries. So, you know, we, we need to do something mm. because I think ultimately that, that could cost us the defence of our title this season. What do you think, Marley? Because I think there's a case here for strike while the iron's hot. Because if Liverpool don't pick up any silverware this season, I'm not saying that's going to be the case, but if they don't defend the Premier League and let's say they finish fourth and they don't win any trophies this season, is that going to cause the likes of Mo Salah and Sadio Mane and Firmino and the like to have their heads turned elsewhere? There's been lots of rumours about the futures of Mane and Salah over the last few seasons. I think that's just natural when you play for a top club. But do you think there is a case for Liverpool to bring in signings now, loan signings like Steve says, to really make a better fist of it, to encourage some of their better players to stick around? Because, you know, if you finish fourth, I'm not saying it's a disaster, but certainly it might encourage some players to go, actually, well, you know, we, we fancy a new challenge. Uh, yeah, that's always the, the risk you run, I suppose. Um, when there's teams out there that can spend big money um, elsewhere, you know, abroad in Spain and Italy and what have you, there's always going to be rumours linking people away from your club. I think when, when Barcelona are getting rid of Messi, um, or seem to be, you know, there's always that thing of who replaces him and then you look at who's the best wingers around Europe and, you know, in the world and you look at Mane and Salah and, you know, if they could afford that, they they could they would be interested, I, I would assume. But, um, yeah, I mean, if if they start finishing fourth and not, or, and like, you know, not challenging for the title to the end, I think one season's probably not, not that bad, um, especially when mm. you won the Champions League and the Premier League in two of the previous three years. But, you know, if it happens sort of two years in a row and everyone gets a bit, Tetchy and and the board aren't spending where they should be, um, you know, on defenders. Like clearly, there's a crisis. I don't know why they've not signed a defender yet, but it's it's a baffling one. But um, yeah, there's always going to be that that case of like players going. Well, if we're not moving forwards, we're standing still. And you know, I'm I'm 28. Can I go there now? Are the are, are this team still going to be interested in me in a year's time when I'm 29? And you know, we've only got two or three years of my peak left kind of thing. So, you know, um, yeah, you always run that risk. So you've, you've kind of, you've got to get it right now. I think, I think of any team that has won the title, this, this season seems to be the easiest title to win back to back kind of thing, because everyone else is, is in transition. Everyone else is, you know, not at the, not at their peak. So, you know, we've seen Man City string together seven wins, and all of a sudden they're they're clear at the top. Um, they'll go four points clear if they win the game in hand, and that proves that it's it's not that much that needs to happen for other teams to start beating each other and a little gap to a uh, little gap to to sort of open up. Because if you look at two years ago, City and Liverpool both won thirteen or fourteen games in a row and still couldn't pull away from each other. So that's how. That's how the the standard can be, and it's nowhere near that this season. So if you look at previous years, I think this one's um, a little bit like 2016 when Leicester won it, and everyone else was climbing over each other trying to build a title race that never really transpired, really. But you know, if mm. um, so, if if Liverpool don't, I'm not saying they're gonna blow it if they don't add anyone, but you you do your you do your chances no harm. It's not like you can't afford to go out and spend a little bit of money. So 
I'd like to like like to see him go and do it, especially for you know if 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 I was a Liverpool fan. I think psychologically it's an interesting point as well because only Manchester United between '99 and 2001 have defended the Premier League three times, and I know Liverpool have only won it once, and this is their defence. If you think back to two seasons ago when Manchester City won the title by a point and Liverpool got 97 points, any other season that would have been a title victory for Liverpool. So if you think about doing it three seasons in a row. It's only ever been done once, uh, and it's a tough thing to do. I mean, we've seen titles defended back-to-back. United have done it a couple of times. City have done it, and Chelsea have done it. But uh, um, it's almost like this would have been the third season in a row that Liverpool would have been really blistering at the top of the table, and it's it's such a difficult pace to maintain and an intensity to maintain. So I think it's just natural, especially with the season that we're having, which is exceptional circumstances, that we're going to see some freak incidents freak results and players possibly just running out of steam a little bit it's taxing mentally right now for everyone let alone physically Um, interesting to think about what might happen to Liverpool in the next few weeks but from a Tottenham perspective um, I totally missed by the way I spoke about it earlier on this week totally missed that the League Cup final's been moved back to April I thought it was still at the end of February must have been having too many mince pies and uh, and cherries at Christmas time when that was changed (laughs) because totally that totally escaped me so um, I was worried last night when Harry Kane went down injured Steve that he wouldn't be available for Tottenham for the end of February um, thankfully there is no Carabao Cup final at the end of February now it's been moved to April as I just said but still you talk about Joel Matip having problems with his body and injuries and stuff like that Harry Kane and his ankles you know it's the never ending story for him injuring both in the same game real concern for Jose Mourinho and Mourinho even said post-match that there are some players in every team that are just irreplaceable uh, Kane certainly holds that mantle for Tottenham I think yeah definitely he's, he's their talisman isn't he and he's he, he, you know he, he makes them tick doesn't he you know he's he weighs in with goals assists and sets a lot of stuff up for, for Tottenham he's such an incredible player but by the Christ is he cursed them ankles that are made of hobnobs are just they've plagued him and even as an opposition fan I mean I'm not massive on England as I've said on the on the podcast before I think um, I'd sooner watch Liverpool's under 23s than England but um, I think that it's really bad news for England as well. Um, Scouse not English, eh, Steve? Exactly <laughs> that, yeah. And um, I just think that, I've said it before, and I don't know why it keeps happening, and I don't know why, because he's had some pretty serious surgeries on them ankles as well, hasn't he, mm. you know, in the past, to, to fix some real big issues. But I, just, I don't know. I just, you know, I look at it and I think, what what could be doing? I didn't think the tackles were that bad. You know, I thought Mourinho... Obviously said that that they were horrendous and stuff like that, you know. But I didn't think they were that bad. Yes, he's kind of put his foot in a little bit on, or certainly on the first one. But I think that yeah, they've got to sort that out with Harry. And I don't know what ever was him. I'd be looking to change boot manufacturer and everything. Um, I don't. I don't think that the the boots suit him. I think he's is he a Nike athlete. Um, I'm not sure, but I think so. Um, yeah, I think that. I mean, I've said it on the podcast probably last year at some time. The boots are so flimsy now that these players are wearing. There's no support in them. It's so easy to turn their ankle in it and obviously pick up more serious injuries. And I, I think that he needs something a bit more robust myself because, um, <laughs> you know, I just think that we've got to start eliminating why these ankle injuries are happening. You um, Harry Kane will be coming out in a Caterpillar boot in his next game. Yeah, he <laughs> will do. Yeah, yeah. He'll have like uh, still some steel toe caps on. But <laughs> I just think that it's he's he's really unfortunate. He's a top lad, top pro. I actually think he might end up going to City in summer if they go in with a, a bid big enough to Tottenham. Mm. Um, but I think that um, yeah, I hope it's not a long one for him. I hope it's a matter of four weeks or so you know as opposed to four months yeah just finally on this you're right Steve thinking back to to last season he got injured I think at a very similar time and there were a lot of worries that is he going to be fit for the Euros Euro 2020 obviously it got cancelled um but Marcus Rashford was out with a back injury at the same time as well and I think there were a few issues weren't there from an England perspective as to whether Kane would be fit and available the fact he's injured both ankles in the same game is remarkable um it will be out for a few weeks at least, Marley. It remains to be seen exactly how long. Uh, and Steve kind of touched upon how important he is. But with the link-up that you know he's had with Son this season and the fact he is the captain of Tottenham Hotspur and he is the captain of England, uh, how how big a blow could that be for Spurs when they're looking to... Well, they're looking to get in the top four, but the way things are going, you know, if 
if they lose out on Kane's goals, they need someone else to step up to the plate and replace him. Like, you know, Vinicius, this is maybe his chance to shine. Yeah, they do. But unfortunately for Vinicius, um, everybody that he plays against in the Premier League has a full-time job of being a footballer rather than being a part-time <laughs> dentist or whatever all the marine players were, um, or a scaffolder or something. That's actually, that's really funny, Mylon. I think that's your best work today on the podcast. Thank you, mate. I didn't, I didn't even, I didn't even mention scousers and jobs, you know what I mean? I, I didn't uh, even go there. Well, listen, you, you're, you're, you're a Geordie, <laughs> no. so, you know, you're, you're in the uh, same boat as us. Um, yeah, but no, but, but back to uh, Vinicius, I mean, he's... I'm from the South, you two get back down the mines and shut up. <laughs> Um, Vinicius is I think you know we've seen six months of him so far and he barely comes on does he he barely has game time in the Premier League he starts games in the Europa League when everything's done um, and dusted and against you know like Ludogorets and, and teams like that and Antwerp um, and no disrespect to them but they're not Premier League teams and they're not they're not good enough to to hold a candle to the likes of the teams that Spurs want to play and build a title challenge against by beating, so it's um, it's a problem for Spurs. Mm. I, I just think is is there a chance for Gareth Bale to play as a stri- as a striker in this absence and see what he can do because it seems like a, a bit of a, a crossroads now. Like you haven't got a striker, you've got a guy on loan who's costing a fair bit of your wages, even though you're playing, only paying half or a percentage or whatever it is. He's been underwhelming though, isn't he, Gareth Bale? Yeah. He has, yeah, but, you know, left wing is Son's position, so as soon as you move Son, you kind of lose his impact, especially if you start playing him as a centre-forward. So, you know, can you not squeeze Bale in there? I'm pretty sure Bale's played as a striker before mm. um, in, in parts of his career. He's got an eye for goal, he can shoot and everything else. He's big and physical and all the rest of it. So can you... Can you maybe take a chance on him? And if if you find a solution, you know, uh, for the next four or five weeks, however long Harry Kane's out for, then then happy days because you found a use for a mm. a guy who's taken up quite a lot of your resources. So, um, but yeah, I mean, going back to, I mean, Vinicius has been so poor. I think you know, the way the way he celebrated against Marine was was oh, yeah. embarrassing. Um, <laughs> probably marked his card um, a bit prematurely as well. You know, hammering one in from about three inches out and celebrating doing pulling out the uh, the Mbappe sort of arms cross thing was j- just made me cringe and oh it's shocking but it it is what it is you know he's he's done it and it, he's happy to score I understand that but still come on mate Christ you scored against a, yeah, a guy scored against on, the bin on man. shift till day <laughs> 10 p.m last night you know what I mean so it is it's it's a problem for for Spurs I can't see them making a uh, Vinicius is uh, loan permanent when they when they can so I think it's time for them to, to chip in and, and start getting goals from everywhere because they need to replace Kane's goals quickly otherwise they're going to fall right away in this this tight league Well we'll wait and see whether Vinicius does start for Tottenham Hotspur because they face Brighton on Sunday evening Brighton have not won a home game in the Premier League Stretching back to last season, it'll be their 15th attempt at trying to win at home when they welcome Tottenham. Uh, and Liverpool, meanwhile, they you know face a battle against fellow top four challengers, West Ham United. Who thought we would have been saying that at the start of the season? They travel to the London Stadium also on Sunday. Don't forget, we will be previewing all of the weekend's Premier League action on our Saturday version of Football Social Daily. Um, do join us. Make sure you hit the subscribe button and that way you won't ever miss an episode. And of course, on Sunday, Fergal Brennan and the gang will be reviewing all of the games that took place over the weekend. So final score at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Spurs 1, Liverpool 3. We've spoken about Liverpool's desire to try and bring some players in in the remaining days of January. And transfer gossip is what we're going to talk about next. We'll do it on Football Social Daily after this. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Listen to the latest Premier League news, updates and match reports now. Just ask Open Sports Social. Welcome back to Football Social Daily, your daily listen when it comes to Premier League podcasts in lockdown. Every single day of the season, a brand new episode for you. So make sure you hit subscribe and that way you won't ever miss a show again. Time to talk transfers now because the January transfer window is almost over. The 1st of February deadline is very, very quickly approaching as we sit now on the 29th of January. Still a couple of days to go and some done deals to talk about. Of course, there's been loads of actual on-field action in the Premier League this week. Plenty of games to go through. 
haven't had a, a great deal of time to talk about the transfers that have taken place uh, over this week. So now we've got a little bit of respite before we head into the weekend's action. Why not talk about some of those done deals or at least rumours in the Premier League? Martin Odegaard to Arsenal on loan was confirmed earlier this week. We did mention it on the podcast, I think on Monday. Um, but now that's been confirmed. He's been in training. How exciting a signing is that Steve? He's only 22, but he's been on the radar of so many people for so long because he made his Real Madrid debut in 2014 as a 15-year-old. So he's certainly been training with some of the best players for a long, long time. Um, what can Arsenal fans expect from him? Do you think that there'll be a, a plenty of pressure on him as he goes into the Emirates? I think they'll be hoping to get what they thought they were paying 72 million quid for with Nicolas Pepe. To be to be quite frank, you know, with a lot of flair, a lot of skill, the ability to to carve open defences with a split in pass and some spectacular goals as well, you know, which he has scored. He's a he's a classic example of yes, when we get these prodigies, and and he was because he made his debut for a Norwegian team when he was three. Um, I think that um, you've <laughs> you've not got to rush them. Um, and he got a, a move to Real Madrid very, very young. He got chewed up in that system. And he's gone out on loan to a couple of teams. Like He had a really good time at Heronvane, didn't he, when he when he went back on loan there. And um, I think Arsenal is a club that, at 22, 23 years of age, whatever he is, um, I think he, he'll fancy himself to put some roots down there and, and make a real difference because he is exciting. He's got all the skills and all the tricks. And... And like I say, he gets amongst the goals. I was I was watching some of the goals he scored for Denmark, um, sorry Norway, and um, really really good. And you know, there's a proper baller in there. And I think that if he's someone I was going to say that can get the Arsenal fans out of the seats, get the Arsenal fans off the settee, um, <laughs> I think that you know that that'll be a good thing. And I think that it's one of them moves where there's nothing for anyone to lose in that. It, all, all that's to be gained is benefits from that. Arsenal get a proper player. The player gets bags of confidence and Arsenal will then have the opportunity to do a permanent deal for him in summer, all being well. Yeah, so that's the key, I think, all being well. Uh, I think for him, uh, Marley, Erdegaard himself, is it a case of using Arsenal to show to the wider world what he can do? Because he was on loan at Real Sociedad and performed really, really well. But obviously La Liga and Sociedad, with no disrespect to them, aren't as big a prospect as Arsenal are. And there's far more eyes on Arsenal games than there are Sociedad games. So do you think this might be for him a chance to show to Zinedine Zidane, who might not even be the Real Madrid manager come the end of the season, if you believe all the reports coming out of Spain? But is it a chance for him to show Real Madrid, his parent club, how good he really is? Because he's found first team opportunities hard to come by but he is only 22 on the flip side of that yeah I think um, you know it's he's, he's clearly good enough I think to be you know a big player at a big team um, it's just it's one of them where he's he's at Real Madrid and so are a lot of other amazing players like the, the midfield is still Cruz, Modric, Casemiro and then you know there's other players fighting mm. to get into that as well and it's it takes something really special to yeah. To push them guys out, you've got Isco and Asensio as backups. For God's sake, they'd walk into any team in Europe. Yeah. So and Azard cost a hundred million, and he's barely had a chance. I know, to yeah, play. yeah, it's it's crazy. But you know, it's that it's that level that you've got to get to. Um, and you see a lot of Real Madrid players going out on loan. You look at Ceballos; he's out on loan. You see, you see players around Europe like Militao, like um, Liverpool, uh, like Steve was saying before. You know, they they're willing to let him go on loan, and it's. There, it happens a lot with um, with with Real Madrid, and it's, uh, it's sometimes where you, you can kind of be loaned out until the manager forgets about you. Sometimes, so it's important that Odegaard goes to places and, and makes a sort of name for himself where he can't be dropped. And I still think he is one of the best um, sort of playmakers, up and coming playmakers, sort of under the age of twenty five in in Europe. And hopefully, Arsenal can get that out of him because he's been. Um, consistent over the last couple of years when he's been out on loan, um, he was great at Sociedad. Um, they had, they've got a really good team. Sociedad, one of them sort of underrated um, hipster teams kind of thing. Um, he's played, I think, last season with um, David Silva. No, was Silva there last season, or was it this? No, it was just this season, wasn't it? So it's mm -hmm. kind of like Silva was his replacement because they couldn't get him back on loan this year, Odegaard. So um, it makes sense for him to come and try his hand in England. I think. He'll bring Arsenal sort of um, 
a bit more creativity. I think they haven't really shown for it in recent weeks, but when you're relying on Saka and Smith Rowe and you know two teenagers to do it every week for you, it can get a bit sort of you're asking a lot of a young yeah. player, even though they both look really really good. Um, so to bring mm. in someone a little bit older who's had a lot of first team experience despite being so young um, is, as you say, it's a win-win move I think for Arsenal, if he doesn't do well, send him back if he does, you might be able to get him on a, a cheaper deal if uh, Zidane doesn't fancy him or if the new manager doesn't fancy him, if someone replaces Zidane in the summer, so mm. it's um, it's smart business I think from Arsenal His first game could be against Manchester United at the Emirates on Saturday. That is who Arsenal have got next in the Premier League. What an impact he could make there if he does make his first appearance in a Gunners shirt. Moving now to West Brom, who face Fulham in the Premier League on Saturday. Big battle at the bottom of the table. Of course, we'll talk about all of these games on Saturday's podcast. They are signing Mbe Dianya from Galatasaray. He's a 29-year-old striker. Uh, Big Sam's been in the market for a couple of strikers. We all thought that he'd be looking for defenders, Steve, actually, considering the amount of goals that West (laughs) Brom have shipped. Um, But that hasn't been the case. I think maybe he's probably looking to score more at the other end by the seemings, by the looks of who he's gone for in the transfer market. I think this probably means that Cenk Tosin won't be going to West Bromwich Albion. I think he'll head back to Besiktas, where he came from, to arrive at the Premier League in the first place. Um, Interesting that they've gone for someone who is experienced a 29-year-old striker who has a decent goal record for Gala in the Turkish league. Um, is he going to be good enough to keep West Brom up, though? I mean, he's going to have to really hit the ground running, Steve, isn't he, and start banging them in straight away if West Brom have got any chance. I've never heard of him, Niall, to be quite honest. Um, and I think that <laughs> everything s- says to me that it won't work because I don't think West Brom have got it in them to be that team where we'll just outscore you like the Kevin Keegan Newcastle um, the, the Brendan Rodgers Liverpool where he's like yeah we might concede three but we'll score four I just don't see that happening at West Brom um, I think West Brom need to make themselves a bit more solid because they are with the exception of playing Liverpool at Anfield are shipping a mountain of goals and it, it's interesting really because um, I'm going to take this opportunity to have a go at Sam Allardyce which I love doing and um, I just think that for me <laughs> You know, there's talk of him being this relegation specialist and that he can get him, you know, he gets teams out of trouble and stuff like that. His methods are so outdated. Um, the game has moved on. I just think that signing a 29-year-old striker that Galatasaray have no desire to keep hold of is probably not the answer. I'd make them more solid um, at the back. I'd be coming in and signing players that, that can achieve that for him and and be in a game like they used to be after 75 80 minutes and try and nick something because that's the only way that West Brom are going to stay up they're not going to stay up by attacking teams they'll get murdered which they have been yeah. doing apart from apart from against Liverpool well he's a big boy Dianya he's six foot four he's definitely got plenty behind him his record I think in league football in Turkey is really good I think he's I think he's got something like 50 goals in 65 games if I'm not mistaken so he's actually got a very very good uh, goal scoring record but obviously the Turkish league is not the Premier League talk about the style of player and the mould of player it's pretty much big men that Big Sam's been after Marley, hasn't it? He's been linked with Andy Carroll he's been Shock. linked with Christian Benteke um, Solomon Rondon I know isn't uh, a West Brom player anymore but if you think about the mould of player that West Brom have had they've had Lukaku they've had Rondon yeah you don't sound too surprised that he's been linked with a massive forward player No I think um, if you you know like, like Steve said just then I've never never heard of him I think a lot of, pe- a lot of people haven't ever heard of him but if you'd have said can you tell me something that you would expect that uh, a West Brom Sam Allardyce striker would be the first thing you would say is six foot four, like <laughs> minimum. You'd say, well, is he is he absolutely massive? Um, quick look at his Wikipedia, six foot four. Yep, six foot four is exactly what Sam Allardyce will do. Um, I think Carlin Grant is a really good striker at West Brom. I just don't think he gets any service. He's got to do a lot mm. by himself. Um, but obviously, that was the that was no fault of his by going there when Bilic was uh, was the manager he probably didn't expect to be managed by uh, Sam Allardyce in you know 6 months later but it is what it is you know Dian yeah prolific in in Turkey I think it just obviously as you can tell him on his wikipedia by stats like this I'm not that much of a geek that I know his uh, yeah. know his stats but 51 in 64 league games in Turkey uh, for Kasim Pasa and Galatasaray and then four in six on loan at Club Bruges um, last season. So 
you know, he's he's prolific, fine, but I mean, you can't hide that this is a massive step up. I think if you look, I mean, you mentioned Cenk Tosun there, and Tosun was prolific in um, in Turkey, came to Everton, and looks like he can barely kick a ball. He's, he's, that was a big he's, Sam signing as well, by the way, Cenk Tosun when he was at Everton. <laughs> clearly not burned by the Turkish uh, the Turkish striker curse, is he? But Christ, um, yeah. It's just, it's a massive step up. They have to take gambles though, West Brom, and it's kind of, there's two days left of the market. Do you want to take a chance or do you not? Mm. You, you have to take chances at this point. I think the two things he's done, he's brought in Snodgrass who can cross it and he wants a big man to head it in. It's simpler what he's trying to do. Um, he's trying to get a target man for his um, for his free kicks and his, you know, longer ball style um, and his crosses. He's, he's bought a crosser, now he just needs someone to head it in. That's what he's trying to do with Deanne, so... Yeah, um, it's worth taking the the gamble because you're either going to go down with a whimper or you're going to go down with a big man knocking lumps out of everyone. So, <laughs> as is the the Sam Allardyce way, you're going to do the latter, aren't you? So, yeah. yeah. Well, nine goals in ten games for Deanya this season so far. It says here that his style of play, he's an indirect set piece threat. He likes to play long balls and he likes to do flick ons. Um, Who fit Sam. up? Big Sam. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. What are you like, eh? Anyway, moving on um, to a Chelsea player now who is supposedly asked to leave Stamford Bridge on a loan deal. This is Billy Gilmore, who was given an opportunity under Frank Lampard, a young Scotsman who, I mean, so many people have said he's got the world at his feet because he's that good. I think Graham Souness, uh, after one game of watching him in the Sky Sports studio, said that he could be a world class player. In future, certainly no doubt that Billy Gilmore has got bags of potential. But do you agree, if this is true, Steve, that he's asked to leave? Would you have done the same if you were Billy Gilmore? Obviously, a new manager's just come into Chelsea, Thomas Tuckle. Frank Lampard's been sacked. In Tuckle's first squad against Wolves midweek, he said that it was the hardest squad choice that he's probably ever going to make as Chelsea manager because he's had one training session, he doesn't know enough about the players, and he went for experience. And Gilmore was left out of the matchday squad entirely. Um, if you were Gilmore, what would you do? Do you think you would try and sanction a loan move away, or do you think you would sit tight for the last few months of the season and see if this new manager gives you a chance? I'd sit tight for the remainder of the season and try and force my way into the team. I think that there is a player in there with Billy Gilmore. I think I've been quite impressed with him when I've seen him play. Um, I just think that Chelsea are desperate to climb up the table. I think, what are they, ninth at the minute, something like that. And um, Thomas Tuchel is going to go with what he thinks is the strongest team to get them up the table as quickly as possible. So I wouldn't take it that personally if I was him. I'd probably look at it and just go, okay, right, we've got a bit of convincing this manager to, of this manager to do and, and back the youth that's in the squad. But sit tight. If he's not got any games between now and the end of the season, go and have a championship loan somewhere because it's paying dividends for other players that are on the fringes of Premier League squads that they're going and turning up in the championship. And I just think that, you know, if he plays his football, concentrates on it, maybe ignores <clears throat> the agent in his ear or something like that, I think, you know, get his head down, try and force his way in. Mason Mount will get back in that team. He's a really good player. Um, and I just think that Billy Gilmore mm. can do it as well. I just mm. don't think he's probably quite at the level that Mason Mount is. Yeah. Um, and that that is a challenge, you know. So, But just, get your head down, pal. You, you're still really young. And just let your football do the talking. What about you, Marley? Because Steve makes a good point and we've spoken about Chelsea kind of hoarding young players and loaning them out for season after season after season. I think they finally let Lucas Piazzon leave Chelsea this <laughs> transfer window after about eight years on the books like, or maybe Japanese even more. Japanese he couldn't get rid of it. <laughs> but still, um, you talk about Mason Mount, Steve. He went on loan to Derby County. Tammy Abraham went out to Bristol City and Aston Villa in the championship and bagged loads of goals and then forced his way into the Chelsea side. Do you think that there's a case for Billy Gilmore doing that, Marley? Or do you think that you're in cahoots with Steve and you would stay, stay at the club for a little bit? Um, both, really. Um, I think... Oh, come <laughs> on. Yeah. I want to play against... Uh, I want to play for Accrington Stanley at the weekend, but Chelsea on a Tuesday night. <laughs> yeah, a dual registration's a thing in the Premier League. Um, no, I think sort of... Short short term, I don't think he's going to get in that team between now and the end of the season. But you can't give up that quickly, I don't think. You need to show to Tuchel in training that you can you can hang with these players and you can, you know, you you're not out of place. I think, um, you know, there's two days of the Premier League transfer window left. I don't think you're going to get the the right loan move in that time. Um, 
everyone knows what a good player Gilmore is, but still, I think a lot of managers will look at his age and think, well, is he quite ready? And he is. His ability to control games is is fantastic and something that you, that is rare of a, a player of, what, 18? He is 17, 18, whatever he is. So the ability is there, but I think to ask somebody to take, you know take him on a 24-hour decision is not going to be the best for him. And I think he needs to prove to Tuchel that he can mm. do things in training that that will sort of get him back in that that first-team squad. But my gut is that Tuchel's never heard of a, a Scottish 17-year-old, 18-year-old playing, uh, you know, playing, making his way into the first team. I think the one thing Lampard had was the, the ability to look at youth and see what talent Chelsea had. That's because he's Chelsea through and through. Tuchel isn't. No. Tuchel doesn't know Chelsea from from uh, Chelsea's academy from anything. He, he's probably not looked at all these players and and made a decision on them. But it was Lampard's remit. Well, he said yesterday he was a Spurs fan growing up, Marley, <laughs> oh, which is really interesting. Um, in his in his first press conference, oh, yeah. So I mean, but if you look at someone, if you look at someone like Conor Gallagher, for example, Marley, who's on loan at West Brom, who's a similar age, um, he's also been on, lo- on loan at Charlton and some other clubs in the last couple of years. I mean, that's really helped him, and now he's a, albeit in a bottom three Premier League side but he's getting regular game time in the Premier League um, something which Gilmore hasn't quite had at the moment yeah um, it's it's uh, it's an avenue for him isn't it you know loans can be can be good you know you've seen Abraham come back and force his way into the team he gets plenty of games now Mount similar but you know that was through a manager that, that looked at youth a bit more I think I can see Gilmore staying for six months being a bit frustrated and going out on loan in the summer um, at which point, if Newcastle is still a Premier League team, I would love to see, love to have a go getting him on loan for a year because he'd walk into our team every week. Um, but still, you know, <laughs> probably not because he'd probably have a better option somewhere else than playing kickball under Steve Bruce. So um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of them. It, there'll be no no line of suitors, uh, no short line of suitors um, come the summer if he doesn't get you know twenty games between now and the end of the season because. We've seen we've mm. seen his talent in glimpses, and people will want to take that. Um, I just think in this le- next two days, just sit tight. You've got loads of time in your career left. It'd be silly to walk straight away from a, such a big club um, and not sort of take your chances or, or risk your chances a little bit. He might be fifth choice midfielder now, but you know you, things can change. People can get injured. You might as well stick around for a little bit and see what happens before you make a, a really big decision. Yeah, for sure. Would Jesse Lingard walk straight into your team? Uh, no. <laughs> Doesn't matter anyway, because he's on his way to West Ham. Um, that move was, uh, it's yet to be announced, but certainly was agreed yesterday in principle. Uh, a straight loan from Manchester United to West Ham. There will be no option to buy uh, for Jesse Lingard. Um, you talk about players making decisions in their late 20s as to where their future uh, wants to, where they want their future to be in the game. Well, Jesse Lingard is that age. He is 28 and he's out of favour at Manchester United, Steve. Only three appearances so far this season for Jesse Lingard. Obviously, he's out of the England frame because he's not playing games at Manchester United. West Ham seems like a good fit. I don't know why, um, but it but it does. And they're a, they're a side that have got Champions League aspirations now. And Jesse Lingard certainly will give them the experience of, of playing in those sorts of games. So this feels like a good move all round for both West Ham uh, and for Manchester United. Definitely, I think you know he's a player that um, raises the profile at West Ham. He's he's won a lot, he's won honours in the game, hasn't he? So he can go into that dressing room as a winner, and um, he'll give him a bit. He'll give him something they've not got at the minute, and I think that he is someone whose career is just ground to a halt under the, under you know various managers at, at Old Trafford. He's not really built on the early promise, and I think that West Ham is a club that he can do that. At. I think he he will be one of. The, you know the first names on the sheet, um, and you know, good luck to him. I think you know there's a player in there somewhere that just needs to get his mojo back, and when he does, I think he'll get in amongst it. For West Ham, they've confirmed, I think, just a few moments ago, Saeed Ben Rama is uh, signed on a permanent deal from Brentford, which almost opened the door for Jesse Lingard Marley. Um, it's an interesting one when it comes to West Ham's transfer policy because the last couple of seasons they've looked to places uh, like the Czech Republic, you know, Thomas Socek and. Uh, uh, Vladimir Soufal, prime examples, players that nobody had ever heard of. But 
They've tried this sort of thing before with an English player who's fallen out of favour when they signed Jack Wilshere, and that never really worked for West Ham. Um, do you think that they'll be bitten twice here with Lingard, or do you think it's a different situation? Um, it's it has its similarities, no doubt. Um, I think didn't didn't they sign Wilshere on a permanent deal as well, though? Um, yeah, for a yeah, lot of money. And it didn't stick one hundred grand a week. I mean, that that's West Ham yeah, all over. A lot of money, but but West Ham are paying all of Jesse Lingard's wages. Manchester United have completely taken him off the wage bill for the next six months until the yeah, loan ends. That's 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 good business for Man United, I think. Um, I I don't know how Jesse how good Jesse Lingard is these days. I don't know whether he's Sunday League level or Champions League level. I've not seen him play in you know a year and a half practically so he's had a lot of off off the field problems it's probably good for him to get out of manchester and have a fresh start in london um and see just see how things go it's six months it's a little trial um and at the end of it if he does well you know we've got to remember that he, he he was an england um level player at one point in his career he needs to get that back i think um it's not something you know it might sound silly he's saying he can get back to that level but he has to believe he can get back to that level because otherwise what's the point like you know he needs to be ambitious he needs to have that sort of ego that is, that says yeah I, I am one of the top players I can get into the West Ham team every week I can start turning some heads um playing in in a team that's hopefully in West Ham's opinion going places because you know Bowen's a decent player but you know, uh, uh, Lingard would probably say, "I think I can get. I think I'm, my best is better than Jared Bowen's best." Um, he has to have that that um, confidence in himself to get back there. I don't know if he's got it. As I say, like nobody knows because he hasn't played for so long. Um, but it's not beyond the realms of possibility that he could get back um, and do something. And I kind I kind of hope he does because even though he's not the most sort of instantly likable player with his you know shenanigans off the pitch and his you know, annoying videos screaming beans 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 at Marcus Rashford every five minutes <laughs> he, he still can be a decent player um so let's let's see how it goes the only time we'll tell if it's going to be any good but you know it has to be for his sake I think Lingard to West Ham looks sorted it seems also Manchester City have rejected the chance to sign Edin Dzeko on a short six-month deal. It's just been revealed this morning. Uh, that would have been interesting. But that's it for today's Football Social Daily. That is the transfers all rounded up for now. I'm sure there'll be a couple of more deals taking place over the next few days. And of course, we'll keep you up to date uh, throughout the course of next week uh, as those deals residually uh, trickle over the line. Don't forget to hit subscribe and that way you won't miss our preview show on Saturday. You also won't miss our review show on Sunday with Fergal Brennan and the crew looking back across all the weekend's action. Uh, but from today's Football social daily that's it thanks very much marley cheers guys cheers steve have a good weekend nice one lads we'll speak to you again tomorrow football social daily from sports social find us on instagram at sports social official lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.